Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe as we continue our... Social distancing measures. We are uh, on location, not in the normal studio, but we're still making it work. Uh, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty well, man. Yourself? Uh, I'm good. And uh, he's a renaissance man, and he's making sure that we're staying clean and sanitary while we're here <laughs> on location. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL <coughs> career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL when he was done with football. Got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 <laughs> in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. As always, much appreciated. Rod, we haven't really talked about this. How are you handling quarantine and uh, social distancing? Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I mean, I'm just trying to do my part. People think I'm a little extreme, some of my uh, some of my measures that I'm taking. But, you know, I wipe everything down. I, if I get sick, I'm going to say this. If I get sick, everybody's getting it. <laughs> That's what i right now. Yeah. Everybody's getting it, and ain't nothing you could do about it if I get sick, because I'm probably about as extreme as you can get. Me and my girlfriend have turned our garage into basically a decontamination center <laughs> where I have to strip. I'm, I'm not joking. I have to strip. Yeah, your outdoor clothes. No, I'm not joking. She, I, I, before I come out, everything that had been exposed to the elements, I strip, and I go basically go shower. Yeah. And then I put on different clothes, and boom, that's how we do it. So like I said, if I get sick, then y'all know. Y'all all going to get it. As we, you can do about it. Don't even stress about it. As I said before, Rod, Rod doesn't get sick. He's got the immune system of an alligator. So I don't get sick very often either. That's true. That's yeah, true. that'd if be I do doubled down. It, I hope, I'm, I'm praying I'll survive. But black folks are being, being taken out at a disproportionate rate. The COVID is also racist. We found that out. <laughs> it doesn't discriminate. Uh, BS is discriminating. They don't like old people and black people. Um, so we're going to talk some NFL draft today. But before we do that, gentlemen, we got news to talk about. Football news, yeah, other than that? just a press conference or a chat or anything else, with <laughs> Tom Herman's got going on. We definitely appreciate Tom Herman's time uh, during this downtime. And it's like he said, hey, he's got nothing else to do. He's got to just block out some time to answer some questions and whatnot. Tariq Black, the Michigan wide receiver, we've heard yep. about this for a while. He's been the one name in the grad transfer market that Texas has been looking to potentially add. And Rod, he announces it Tuesday night. He's coming to Texas. We don't know when he's going to physically be on campus because we don't know when anybody's physically going to be on yeah. campus again. But here's my take on where th- what this move means with Tariq Black. I think there's two different layers to it. I think, one, for the receiver position itself, you're taking a guy – and here's the key thing to remember. Yes, he's had two really bad foot injuries while yeah. he's in Michigan, one on each foot. So that's key to remember. So he's not the same type. He's the explosiveness, the vertical speed, the stuff he had before to go along with his skill set. When mm-hmm. it looked like, I mean, he came to Michigan at the same time as, as Donovan Peoples Jones. And that first spring he was on campus, there were people talking about him. This guy's got legit NFL potential. Maybe he's not that type of guy anymore. Texas doesn't need him to be that type of guy because if he can just be that prototypical X receiver, which is a skill set Texas doesn't have right now losing Colin Johnson. Yeah. That big, big body guy you can put into the boundary. He can go win 50-50 balls. He can use his body to make himself a, a good target on, mm-hmm. on clutch downs or third downs or fourth downs like Colin Johnson was. If he can just do that, it alleviates pressure on Brendan Eagles to kind of not ex- overextend him and ask him to do things he's not comfortable doing. You can continue to bring Marcus Washington along at a steady pace. You don't have to rush Troy O'Meary. You don't have to basically ask guys to, to do more, get them out over their skis and overextend them. And two, and Arad, I think this, is, this goes back to the Mike Yersich hire and kind of everything we've talked about with this offense going into 2020. 
how do you maximize the last year you've got with Sam Ellinger? This window you've got with Sam Ellinger, you've got one more year. How do you maximize that? I think this is Tom Herman saying, we've got a chance to add a guy that brings a dynamic to the offense we don't have. And if he's healthy, he can bring that dynamic. We'll mm-hmm. see if he, how healthy he is. But I think this is just Tom Herman saying, I'm not leaving anything to chance. If I can surround Sam Ellinger with as many weapons as possible, that's exactly what I'm going to go do. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. A camera one. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? A um, duck. <laughs> what was it? I thought you were going to ask what that was. Hey, he is children. Oh, okay. I don't even want to know. Uh, all right. <laughs> that was good. Can we go? Tariq Black. Go wrong. Okay. Um, okay. The thing that I think is interesting, though, about Tariq Black, and like I said, all of this hinges on him being able to stay healthy. Yeah. That's been the thing that's been holding him back. Uh, his durability, right? He hadn't been able to stay healthy. Foot injuries, I believe, both yeah. of those years, his freshman and his sophomore years. But he's 6'3", and close to 220. I think Brandon Eagles is around 6'3", 230, or 225, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. So you're talking about a lot of size. I happen to think that Yurcic is going to move around Eagles and move around Black. I, I, even though I know the pro spread, as Tom Herman says, usually that that X, which was Colin Johnson, he's, he's always on one side of the field, and you can pretty much kind of predetermine where he's going to be. They didn't move him around a lot. They started moving him around a little bit later on after we yelled and screamed. He must have been listening to the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Started putting him in motion a little bit. He's seen some slot formations, finally used a bunch versus Utah. God, finally used a bunch. And for some reason, they thought it was like some groundbreaking, <laughs> progressive uh, way I of thinking. What, like, what did they call it? They're like, uh, oh, oh, they did call it. They called they it something special. They it, did. Yeah. They did. They, they, it they wasn't did. the Starburst because no, that's what OU did. called it. They had a special name for it because they said th- they said the Utah coverages dictated that they could exploit them by being in a bunch formation. I'm like. You can yes, exploit every, every coverage, coverage by being in bunch formation. That's like it's the Peggy not. Hill special, in my opinion, state insert right. fact here. Uh, but anyway, I happen to think he'll move these X's around, and I think that's good for Tariq Black and Brendan Eagles, and I think it's going to be better for the offense. You'll get some matchup advantages when you start moving them around and then you start putting you know, that H receiver potentially outside, sometimes matched up, oh, and a safety or a linebacker, or they thought a safety who could guard Jordan Whittington or Jake Smith out of the backfield. So, I think you'll do some funky things formation-wise. What did you should say his his uh, his, his phrases, uh, players, formations, in place. Yep. And I think because of that philosophy, these bigger wide receivers, I think they'll be able to take advantage of some some matchups that they'll be uh, kind of the blueprint of the offense will get them matched up on. Yeah. And now there's multiple versions of say one ver- to where like before if you had Eagles and didn't have somebody that maybe had the same type of skill set it would almost pigeonhole him into that role more but now the, yeah. if you get more like bodies it just more things for the defense to think about and more possibilities and then can get depth there so then you can maybe move around the other pieces if say one can be serviceable just backing up the other. I, I think what you're talking about Rod I think a lot of that's going to depend on timing and how much time like when can you physically get him in there and, and get him in front of Mike Yersich and Andre Coleman to learn the offense, learn what he's supposed to do? That's why, for me, I'm setting the bar a little bit lower just in terms of, okay, if he can be this guy. Like like I said, I, Brennan Eagles can play the X, I think, especially in this offense when, you know, before Tariq Black, before this all kind of became finalized, we talked about it last week. Like, how do you replace Colin Johnson? Okay, from a skill set standpoint, you really can't. But how do you manufacture what he brought to the table? Well, you do it by – accentuating what these guys do best with, with Brennan Eagles, just give him more options on the route tree. Yep. And we Great. saw last year, yeah. like, hey, oh, the backside drag, yeah, he can, he can do that, and he can do different things other than just running verticals. So uh, to me, it's just start, start small with Tariq Black. Just say, hey, can you, be, can you be this guy? Can you be the jump ball guy, the 50-50 ball guy, the guy yep. that we can, you know, on third and six, can we throw you a, a quick out into the boundary and, and you'll be there right at the sticks to, to make a play? You know that type of guy, and then if you can, if he can get a quick feel for that, then I think you've kind of expanded and opened up. So mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing at all with what you're saying, Rod. We talked again. We talked. We were blue in the face last year about how you need to do more. You need to be more creative. You need to get guys on the move. Highlight your matchups. I'm all for that. Me in my mind, I'm just thinking, okay, let's let's kind of baby step this thing a little bit. Well, especially with this offseason, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah.
You got anything else to add on that? Well, Matt? just if he can conceptualize the offense, how fastly he can be integrated into it. You know, that's the type of thing when you have some grad transfer guys or guys that are the veterans, but you're coming from something that's a foreign offense to where you're at now. So you may think it may be time since he's a grad transfer that he could come in seamlessly. And those are just the case-by-case bases that are already hard to predict and then this offseason even tougher to predict. So when you see his skill set, you can sort of can hope to see where he fits in, but it's all about how he can conceptualize into the offense. I just, you know, I continue to, of all the things Tom Herman's done, guys, I mean, this is the one that maybe I give him the most credit for, is continually not being satisfied with where the roster is, Mm -hmm. and you're constantly on the hunt to, can you add a JUCO guy? Can you add a grad transfer? You got a hole here. How How do you maximize this roster that you've got in this season? And Look, that's something that I hammered Mac for for a long time because I never understood. Mm-hmm. Namely, with Mac, it was the reluctance to pursue JUCO guys. Yep. And, you know, it was like once, you know, Donald Hawkins kind of worked out, I was like, oh, yeah, JUCO guys aren't that bad. It's like, well, we've been telling you for 10 years now, JUCO guys aren't that bad. Didn't he have a couple, like, early on? Wasn't, like, was Alfio was Randall wasn't a JUCO guy? Was, was yeah. he a JUCO Technically, guy? he was a JUCO yeah. guy, but you know with Big, Big Cat, Cat, it was, was a, little a, bit, it was a little bit different because they recruited him out of high school. And, I know. Uh, so, yeah. Brian I mean, Bradford was, just, was a JUCO guy, wasn't he? I think he had a couple early on. That's what I'm saying. I think, it was basically right. from 2000 it, to 2010, he, never, he, he didn't always, deal with them. But back then, I will say there was a stigma about JUCO guys for whatever reason. I mean, that's why, you know, K-State was like the island of misfit toys, right? Because they had so many JUCOs. There was a stigma about it, about JUCOs and about transfers and all that kind of stuff, too. Uh, I think these days, uh, guy, I mean, coaches are willing to, to roll the dice more on JUCOs because they understand there are a myriad of different reasons as to right. why guys end up at a JUCO. Yeah. Not always. He was troubled, and, you know, he's a knucklehead. Matt had basically got the program to where he felt as if almost like he had gotten above that level and didn't need that, and it took a year like 2010 to level back down and realize, no, we That's need true. to fill gaps and fill holes because it was from Alfio Randall until about – 2011 that Texas even looked into JUCO guys and it took that 2010 season happening for him to sort of recalibrate how he had viewed it and realized well you know if I'm getting beat by all these JUCO guys on these other teams while my guys that I have offered early kept and brought in he was like now there's a balance here that we need to be able to marry between the two. I think some of that came from Stacey Searles too because Stacey Searles came from kind of that, that Nick Saban well, Muschamp School SEC. of, hey, you want me to get this offensive line fixed? I can't just fix it with high school guys. I got to yeah. get some guys in here. Some men up here. Play. Yeah, I yeah. hope we've been proven already. I'll say this, too. You brought up Tom Herman and how there are certain aspects of his philosophy about roster management, which, you know, you, you really uh, you, you, are, you believe that they're favorable not only uh, to, to help the roster and to build the roster, uh, but also, I think they are the continuity. They helped with the continuity of the overall team. Think about it. You, you just brought up, you know, the, the JUCO thing and him kind of strategically picking out JUCOs. Mm-hmm. We brought up the fact that, you know, when they recruit guys, it seems like they have a contingency plan for them. Like, uh, you know, if, if Rojo can't play uh, quarterback, I, you know, we can play running back. Or, yep. you know, this guy, if he can't play this, he can play linebacker. So they always have a, like, a contingency plan or a backup plan for a play. Even DeMarvion Overshell which also helps with, you know, roster, overall roster management. You yeah. guys, you know, we talk about the bust rate a lot, right? That helps decrease the bust rate. And so I think there are some little things that he does that, that and when he came in initially and we had all the, you know, the offensive identity crisis for Texas, you, you had the, the, the how the positions that were bereft of talent, right? Quarterback, running back tied in, hell, offensive line. Just pretty much the entire and, offense. Yeah, basically, yeah, you can say the whole offensive line, but, yeah, we were in the midst of an offensive identity crisis, and yet he came in, and I'd say probably within two years, mm-hmm. uh, most of those positions, those position rooms, were filled with what you would call talented depth, but it was unproven. It was yeah. a lot of got talented guys there. So he's really good at that. I, I would say as a, as a coach, one of the things that I would uh, compliment him on is his overall his roster management philosophies. Yes. Yeah. And the development, that's a different discussion than mm-hmm. roster management. But his roster management has been pretty damn good. This philosophy on quarterbacks, recruiting two every other year. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it, it, like it all makes sense to me. Tight ends, because his pro spread philosophy, that's kind of the connection between the pro ideology and the spread philosophy a lot of the things in terms of his roster management I really really do like yeah because if you like development you can still 
manufacture something out of that player because of his versatility yep. and find out another way to where it doesn't go from being, okay, well, this one guy, say that this one quarterback or this one corner, if he cannot be that position, now it's a bust. That's a real quick way to failure. There's only one way to failure. Yeah. And if it fails, you can really stack those up quickly, and now your 85-man roster really can be deteriorated. If you don't do that, if you have guys that can then switch over and you get something out of it, it's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, but we see it across the board and at multiple positions. It isn't just a guy yeah. changing down the D-line. It's switching to the other side of the ball or yeah. something along those lines, which was something that maybe was more foreign to previous staffs. Yeah. No, he builds in fail-safes within his uh, yeah. blueprint, which I like. The, mm-hmm. uh, you know, development, Football as you players. said, Rod, that's, that's a different story. I mean, that is a different story. And that's, that's to be determined. I mean, the book, the, the book is still, jury's still very much out on whether this program can wholesale develop guys and get them ready for the next level. And I think what the NFL draft showed, it showed a lot of numbers, but I think one number it showed, hey, if you're winning a lot of college football games, you're probably going to end up producing a lot of really high draft picks. So the correlation is obviously there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to get too far into the draft discussion right now, but getting back to Tariq Black, again, you know, Texas, I think now, has developed, you're developing a really good reputation for grad transfer players. You know, you've got, with the, with the exception of Trent Domain, who, you know, was, I think we could all agree, kicking, kicking in 2016 left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kendall Moore kind of was what he was, but he at least got you through a year where you ran out of bodies at tight end. Had it not been for him to say you were in a world of hurt would have been a gross understatement. Trey Watson was great the one year he was here. Mm-hmm. Calvin awesome. Anderson was great the one year he was here. Awesome. Yeah. I think you know people can debate how good Parker Braun was here, but you yeah. got 13 starts out start of him at left saying, guard. Yeah, got starting reps out of him. Yeah. Second team All Big 12 guys. So I do think Texas is. I think Tom Herman has a really good feel for for how to handle the grad transfer market. And I think what really helped you with Tariq Black was there was a relationship there with his high school coach and Chris Ash. Uh, because Chris Ash had recruited uh, Tariq Black from Connecticut. Chris Ash recruited that school when he was at Rutgers. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that, that came together. But, I, again, I, for me, other, outside of the Sam Ellinger stuff and, and helping the receiver position, I just think the fact that Tom Herman just, again, continues to not leave any stone, even at a time where guys can't – you can't bring a guy on campus for a visit, you can't go see him. Even now, <laughs> you're still comfortable adding this piece, which, Rod, that, that's the other thing I want to get into. And one of the things that's going to come up from this that people are going to ask, okay, other than the injuries and how healthy is Tariq Black, why did he leave Michigan? How did it end at Michigan? And I think you're going to hear some different things. And in checking, uh, you know, with some sources close to that Michigan program, it sounds like probably towards the end of his time at Michigan, I think both parties at that point were kind of like, okay, I think everybody needs a fresh start here. So, but to me, that doesn't really matter. I think you see a guy now, and Rod, you can attest to this. I think early in your college career, probably all you're thinking about is how quick can I get out of here and get to the league? And probably by the end, when you've been through the injuries and things Tariq Black's been through, probably by the time you get to Texas, you're thinking, all right, how do I just make the most of this situation I'm in right now and this opportunity I've got? Yeah, I think uh, everybody wants to make it to the NFL when they first get to college. But most of the guys, by the time they're seniors, they just want to play and just want to win. You know what I mean? And I think he's at that that point now where – yeah, he's been through some hardships. He understands that this thing could be coming to an end for him. His football career could be coming to an end. Uh, he would like to play, I'm sure, you know, at a professional level, but he knows now he's got to maximize every bit of this experience, uh, and he's got to get he's got to get the most out of it as a player. He's got to be the best version of himself uh, here. His what has he got? Two years to play one? He's, or one? he's a two to play one. He has two years to play one. So whatever that situation, so I guess he could redshirt, technically. Technically, yeah. yeah. I mean, technically, if there's not yeah. enough time but he to won't. get acclimated, yeah, he but won't. He, but he won't. Yeah. But um, if something were to come up, you get buried. Yeah. The oh, but you know what? There. I will say this. If it's off season, because Tom Herman's a very player friendly guy, we know that Tom Herman has, you know, uh, praised players that have transferred within the same damn conference and been like, "Hey, man, it's all good." Like, I mean, uh, I mean, he's done that a couple of times actually, not a couple of times, but he did it once with John Bonney. John Bonney, thank you very much from Houston Lamar. I should remember that name, Um, but he's a very player friendly guy, and I wonder if Tariq Black can go to Tom Herman and go, "This is a crazy off season. Mm -hmm. I want to play here." 
but I don't want to waste my experience. I want to get. I want to be the best version of myself. I'd love to have an entire off season to learn the system, mm-hmm. to also you know get back in the weight room, all that. And I wonder if he'll say, "Man, redshirt me." And let me play in 2021. Well, and not knowing how you know this I mean? year's going to go. Because you don't know how this year's going to go. Yeah, just you having that even as have a possibility. Yeah. And that as so a possibility. If, if he's like, yeah, I'm going to want a redshirt, man. Here's, anyway, just random here's, No, but here's where that might make some sense. And again, well, you could get to, if guys aren't allowed back on campus in August, maybe Tariq Black's like, look, I really like Texas, but you know, I want to be able to give you guys everything I've got. We, we don't know. We're just kind of spitballing yeah. here because that's all we can do right now. There's, I didn't know about this rule change until Mike Roach, our outstanding recruiting editor at Horns 24-7, made me aware of it. There's been, a change, there's been a change in the grad transfer guidelines, if you will, that guys who transfer, it used to be just you're transferring to a school that offers that where they have a graduate program that's not offered at your current school. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was part of the That's that was how part it used to be. That was part you of the previous grad transfer. Something okay. uh, you were going to go into that wasn't offered there. The deal right. now apparently is if you grad transfer, you can continue undergraduate studies at your new school. Hmm. So if Tariq Black's interested and maybe he has a certain number of credits at Michigan and he's interested in, hey, oh, I got you. I'm X number. A dual of, degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know. Whatever it is. I want to go exactly. major in the communications here. I can Whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever the case is. So. That could be a situation around where what you're talking about, maybe that appeals to him. I don't know. But like I said, when you get a grad transfer guy, and we heard the redshirt stuff about Parker Braun, and I think all of us sat here and talked about it last spring. Like, no, if if you're getting a, a grad transfer offensive lineman, you're getting him to play right now. Well, and yeah. if he had been a starter type guy, not like, say, multiple injuries, the way black situation is much different than that. So as of right now, we all thumb, thumbs up on this move. It's a great yeah. move. Great upside that comes with it, too. Yeah. And- but Rod, to me, this is less Parker Braun, Calvin Anderson, and more Trey Watson. Like, okay, I'm not recruiting you. I'm not asking you to come in and be the guy you were three years ago. Trey Watson had the ACL. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to be that guy. We just need you to be this guy. And really, all you really need Tariq Black to do is really bridge the gap until you get to 2021 where, okay, now you've got Marcus Washington with more experience under his belt. You've got Brendan Eagles. Veteran. Yeah, man. so, you know. that. And then by then, your Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith experiments in the H. You should have more clarity there as well. All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. So let's go ahead and talk about the draft. Uh, just from the standpoint of, and Rod, you and Matt, I know you follow the league more than I do. Rod, you follow it more than even Matt does. Um, if I had to rank the fits in terms of where the three draft picks went, yeah, it fits like a glove with Devin Duvernay in Baltimore. Which mm, uh, do the Ravens ever have a bad draft? Uh, uh, it's been a long time. I don't yeah. know if I, yeah, it's been a long time. Even going yeah, from Ozzie yeah. Newsom to Eric DaCosta, they still, you look at their draft, you're like, wow, the Ravens got better. And we've said that like for yeah, John Harvin. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. all fits. Yeah, I agree with that. So I love the fit with Devin DuVernay in Baltimore. I think Brandon Jones, depending on what the Dolphins ask him to do, could end up being a really good pick. There were some people rather didn't like that pick, but. Again, I think it goes to what are they going to ask him to do. If they're going to ask him to be a nickel guy, a coverage guy, I think we agree. And it seems like that's an organization that by drafting Tua and with a, a, a head coach who's still in his infancy as a head coach mm-hmm. and Brian Flores, it seems like that organization is like, okay, we're going to build this thing through the draft and we'll give it some time yeah. where we can grow a little bit. I like that Brandon Jones fit. I think it's a really good fit. I, I, Brian Flores is going to use Brandon Jones the right way. The Belichick disciples, Saban, Patricia, I mean, you name them, mostly they want to play man-to-man coverage, even Romeo Cornell. They, play, they believe the ideal coverage there, the dogma of Belichick, is that the ideal coverage is man-free. It's the perfect coverage. The only problem with that is not everybody has the horses or the personnel that can play right. man free. If you, can, if you got the horses to do it, then do it. Uh, that's why Patricia usually, wants, you know, he, he errs on the side of coverage, which I don't know why he 
traded away Quandre Diggs. That's still ridiculous. Mm. Uh, but Belichick, too. Belichick's a coverage guy. And look at the Dolphins in the draft. They drafted another corner in the first round. Noah Igbenagany? I don't know. Whatever. I, he reminds me of Ibogaine effect. Yeah, he's, so I think it's Noah Igbenagany, but I could be wrong corner about that. Corner from Auburn. Uh, the corner from Auburn. He's a really good player. But they have the two highest-paid corners in the league, obviously, and arguably in Xavier and Howard and Byron Jones. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're still going to have three cover guys, three lockdown corners essentially on that team, and they want a safety also that can cover. Brandon Jones, even though I wouldn't want him on the back end playing zone or as my deep field, middle field safety, one thing he's really good at is coverage. You could argue he's the best coverage defender for Texas last year. Even in that LSU game, LSU is picking on everybody in that damn secondary, going after everybody. They go after Brandon Jones, and actually Brandon Jones had more success versus LSU than any other DB. Actually, mm-hmm. you could argue that he won more than he lost when they targeted Brandon Jones in that game versus LSU. So yeah. I think they they watched the film, and Brian Flores, who wants to play a lot of man-to-man, he's like, I, I can trust Brandon Jones to cover a tight end, to cover a, a running back, to cover that third, fourth wide receiver. I can trust him to do that. He's shown <laughs> that ability. And in that system, if that's the way they use him, man, he can end up being a star. Yeah, because he, really, he can end up starting pretty early too. You know, they got Adrian Colbert for starting safety. Yeah, yeah the funny. Uh, odd, nothing against Adrian Colbert; he's a good player, but he's bounced around from team to team. Originally drafted by the 49ers, mm-hmm. bounced around. He's a good player now, and he's proven to uh, to be a really good professional. And he's going to start for them, projected to be the starter. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if Brandon Jones is cracking that starting lineup by the season's end. Oh yeah, he could even be starting early on just because yeah. they've put people into the fire early. On and like I was just happy with that landing spot at the time. I was a little worried, but when I saw the way the draft played out for the Dolphins, they're actually all in on this being their core of their future. Yep, he was the sixth pick of 65. They had of the top 65 picks, they kept all six of their front ones, and he was the sixth guy of that 65 tour. If you think about that, you have an NFL draft and you get six of the top 65 players. That's impressive, and very rarely do, do you actually keep all those picks when you have them, and that was the worry, was because you had seen the accumulation of picks with yep. Miami, and back last year, whenever they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick in week two, everybody was sort of curious as to where the future was. This continuing, sort of like the Sixers, continued to just mm-hmm. get as many picks possible, but never Stockpile. had the full vision in we're going to implement it until they landed the Simmons and Embiid, and you're like, okay, this is the core they like, this is the core, and like this draft going into it, you didn't know, is this going to be the draft that the Dolphins actually deployed, or are they going to continue to move these Next picks year. if they don't fit, pick yeah. and move back, and then the way it played out with them getting two at five, and then to be able to get their corner mm-hmm. in the first, it, it ma- became pretty evident, especially Especially once they took Brandon, they didn't trade any of those top six of the 65 picks that they really liked him. And this was going to be one of their main core pieces. And when you can look at the roster, just within two days, they were able to turn over 12 players and be able to insert them there. And he seemed to be a piece that fit their most prized piece they traded out last year whenever they sent Fitzpatrick out. So his fit was about as good as the Duvernay one that you brought up initially because there was no coach more jacked up for a pick than John Harbaugh whenever they landed the Duvernay pick and yeah. he spoke about how that sort of was the rhythm of those three picks that he wanted to get in those order and Duvernay was the key one for them too. Don't forget that Brandon Jones also, he's probably going to start off playing special teams. Brian Flores has started out his career as a special teams coach. Yeah. We know the Patriots are obsessed with special teams. Mm-hmm. That's probably another reason he fell in love with Brandon Jones too because Brandon Jones can play almost every damn special teams unit that you put out there. Also, we know Belichickian disciples, they value high IQ football players. Mm-hmm. That that Brandon Jones uh, notebook experiment where he presented a game plan and presented his own kind of evaluation of their defense uh, with him as a member of that defense and how that played out. I can tell you right now, every Belichickian coach probably – Almost, you know, got got a little turned on. You know, yeah. what I mean, they were a little aroused by that because they want a player who can grasp mentally, uh, you know, the game and actually be a kind of a coach on the field. Brandon Jones is that kind of guy. Brian, it seems like everybody in that AFC East is kind of like, all right, potentially for the first time in, in two decades, is about to be open again. Yeah, I mean, you can <laughs> sense it. 
Uh, there's no question about it. There's uncertainty for the first time about the New England Patriots in that division. So I think, yeah, I think the, the Dolphins are coming for it. The Buffalo Bills are already in yeah. a position. They showed that last year. But the Dolphins are going all in. And they were supposed to tank last year. Yeah. And they ended up beating the Patriots, costing the Patriots <laughs> a, a bye, and which probably hurt the Patriots' ability to try to advance in the playoffs. Well, no doubt it hurt them. We just don't know how much. So, I mean, Brian Flores is the real deal, man. I actually – but he's Belichickian. He's coached special teams. He's coached defense. He's one of those guys. And, you know, I always think those guys have a great – mind to build a team yeah. from the ground up. They were going to tank for Tua and ended up getting Tua anyway. Uh, Tua anyway, yeah. yeah. You know, the one fit ride that I don't like, and it has nothing to do with the player, it just has to do with the organization, Colin Johnson going to Jacksonville, yeah. just that seems like Doug Marone is dead man walking. And I, I honestly thought, like, wasn't he supposed to be fired <laughs> last year and then wasn't? Yeah, and, and he's not, and they've been well, not, now it's been a fire sale over there. Well, it's because of the Coughlin crap that happened. Because Co- I mean, you had the Coughlin's NFLPA on, going out and tell, advising players yeah. do not sign with Jacksonville because this guy is circumventing <laughs> your basic medical rules Crazy, and man. fining people. Like just Coughlin had to get ran out of that town because he was doing stuff that was illegal, and the, the own players association was telling him not to. So that's what sort of kept. Marone's job because Marone was on the hot seat and then the guy that's going to fire him fired and they don't have anybody running the organization but the owner's son at that point. It's kind of like Rod, you know, my, how I view the Jaguars, and again, this is no knock at all on Colin Johnson. I no, think, I think everybody's don't. happy for him to, that he was drafted, but yeah. it's kind of like the same opinion I used to have of the Bengals or the Raiders at a time. Like, oh, I just think it's kind of like where guys go to die. It's unfortunate. I'm, I'm with you because we talked about this He's got it's a it's a good situation and a bad situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at the wide receiver. First of all, they like big wide receivers. Yeah, they do. They do. And he's he's probably the biggest. All right. They got DJ Shark, who's there, 6'4", 198. Chris Conley, 6'3", 205. Um Peak's on that roster, isn't he? Who is? Sharon Peak is on that roster, isn't he? He's uh, like six I'm not sure. DD Westbrook is uh, is like six foot. He's not that big. But they they drafted LaVisca Chenault who's a bigger wide receiver, too. So that's kind of what they like. So I think he does fit the mode of whoever has the the vision there, whatever they like at wide receiver. But they they have Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback now. All right? I think Colin Johnson, if he gets opportunities as was a fifth-round pick, I think he will impress the coaches. Mm -hmm. The only thing that made his draft stock drop, we all know, is because he got hurt. Which, which that off, uh, uh, that just hurt his ability to hit to, to play on the field. And when he's not on the field, then he can't make those Cirque du Soleil catches that are highlight catches that are all throughout his film. If you watch his film, all he does is make ridiculous. Uh, catches that show his catch radius that he can high point the football and he doesn't need separation to do that. You learn that when you watch Colin Johnson. Mm. Now, if you don't watch Colin Johnson, all you think about is, well, he probably runs like a full six and I don't think he creates enough separation. But when you watch him, you realize, oh, he doesn't, that's not his X-Men ability. Mm. That's not where he sets himself apart. He sets himself apart when he's even with a guy. When that ball becomes a 50-50 ball, he makes it an 80-20 ball. He gets enough reps in practice. He will show that. But I don't know if he'll get enough reps in practice to be able to show that. That's my concern about Colin Johnson. They drafted him, but I don't know. Like when Devin DuVernay got drafted by the Ravens, they have a plan for Devin DuVernay. I know exactly what they're going to do with Devin DuVernay. I, I literally, I, can, I know exactly what yeah. they're going to do. It's, it's, it's so simple. It, it, they, they're going to turn Devin DuVernay into what Debo Samuel is for the San Francisco 49ers. That's a cheat code they don't have in their offense that they mm-hmm. want in their offense. They want a wide receiver with running back tendencies. They're going to line them up in the flex, line them up tight there sometimes in the slot, and they're going to use them as part of the backfield motion. The reverses, and then they're going to put them on the jet sweeps, and they're going to run the pre-snap motion with Devin DuVernay coming here. And then that's how they're going to try to basically use the momentum of the defenses against him. Mm-hmm. They got – even the J.K. Dobbins thing makes yeah. sense because he's going to be the oh guy that helps him run in between the tackles. He had more rushing yards than any other running back from the shotgun this year, more rushing yards than any other running back coming out of college football uh, from RPO rushes this year. Who runs more RPOs than any other team? Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. So they're going to pound the rock inside with Mark Ringham and J.K. Dobbins. They're going to stress the seams with – 
Devin Duvernay and, and Mark Andrews, all right? So they're going to stress the seams. Now, if you want to double down and put eight in the box to try to stop them from pounding the rock inside, go ahead. But just know that Lamar Jackson will exploit and expose your edges. So mm-hmm. you better make sure you keep contained. They got Justice Hill to help them do that, too, as a running back that can hit the edge. And then there's Hollywood Brown who's going to raise the roof on yep. every play to keep that safety back. They have so many different different you know, problems they're going to present to a defense, it's impossible to solve all of them on any given play. And Lamar Jackson just got to figure out, okay, what are y'all trying to stop on this play? You're going to stop the, you're going to stop the inside run game? Okay, just want to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be so easy for him. So that's what Baltimore is doing. And you can see it. Like, I can visualize it. I can visualize Devin DuVernay either stressing the seams or, you know, right down there with the safety or that nickel back stretching the field or stretching them horizontally with him being a part of the backfield action in the running game. He's going to be their Debo Sam. They combine more cheat codes than anybody else. RPOs, pistol formations, they run more shotgun, Mm -hmm. they run more quarterback runs than anybody else, and all of those different aspects – you know, running backs running out of the shotgun, J.K. Dobbins now with Mark Ringham, all that – with all those cheat codes, they're going to combine one more now, and that is the wing back, which is a new – well, it's kind of new. It's an old throwback. Uh, yeah. philosophy and concept from the old wing T days, a wide receiver who's lined up right there, flex right there uh, by that tackle off, off <laughs> that tight end there, and then he can always be a part of the backfield action. You always got to consider that gives them eight men in the running game, even when they're out of 11 personnel or something, because that guy becomes a part of the running game, and it's 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 Shano's it's, innovation, but teams are stealing it now from Shano. They want their version, and Devin Duvernay's the best version that I've seen in this draft. Even though Shano thinks Brian Brandon Ayuk was the number one receiver in the draft. Yeah, and then I mean, you just br- his, brought it up board. right there, and it was when we were watching the uh, Aggie play play game that we did in here back five weeks ago or whatever, and you saw what you were just describing with Duvernay right oh. off the tackle was where Greg Davis was lining up Roy Williams. If you look at his end of rounds, whenever it was an innovative oh, yeah. idea, but right. like it was odd seeing how tightly split in mm-hmm. almost as a tight end. He was in those formations, but it's just to be able to quickly get that service into the backfield and around yep. the backside. And that's exactly what DuVernay's uh, skill set, because he can motion out into any type of receiver mismatch or into the backfield yeah. if you aren't going to just keep him there if you don't already have it. And, like, when you couple in a guy like Dobbins, because when you heard first last year Justice Hill seeing how Justice Hill was used was great, but seeing, like, when I first saw J.K. Dobbins get drafted and oh, see man. the – I mean, I immediately thought of Vince in the two, two – thousand yard season that Chris Johnson had with Vince Young next to him was because of the fact that you had that dual threat and just the quickness and I mean it's just a step but Mark Ingram didn't necessarily have that step now you needed somebody to pound and to plod but when you saw Justice Hill back there with Lamar at times last year they were so explosive and then now when you add in a guy like J.K. Dobbins that can help with that role their run game is going to be so explosive which is just going to help DuVernay and Hollywood Brown and then when you just think about it, like I, I, all of us think back when you think of a Ravens receiver and just body type, he looks like a Steve Smith, but it's a 2.0. It's a modern version that can be flexed into any position and role that isn't relegated just to being an outside wide receiver. And Duvernay couldn't have landed probably at a better spot. Ron, I love that you, uh, and I appreciate the fact that you throw me into the group of football theorists because that's kind of how my mind works. Oh, yeah, man. And have, did you, back in, in any point in football, did you play in a wing tee offense? No, I played okay. against a couple in high school, okay. though. <laughs> I, yeah. I did play in a wing tee offense. Yeah, man. Oh, so cool. I'm very familiar with it. And, and, you know, there's some teams in high school, you know, Liberty Hills, the prime example around mm. Great Austin, they're on slot tee. Yeah. And the one thing, the wing tee and the slot tee, what it's all about, it, it's all about misdirection. But to take something like that from an antiquated offense like the wing tee mm. and to see it now in the National Football League in 2020 Today's that guys right. like Kyle Shanahan and Greg Roman are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to use this and, and use it to my advantage. It is beautiful, man. I can't tell you how much I, I love seeing just football kind of come full circle like that. No, I remember Eric Weddle said last year when the Ravens played the Rams. I mean, he used to play for the Ravens, but he was playing for the Rams now, and they're starting safety. He said, uh, I kid you not, half of the time I didn't know who had the ball. 
because they have so much misdirection in their offense, but they truly didn't have a guy like Duran. They didn't have a guy that that, yeah. that was a hybrid who, <laughs> when you get the ball in his hands, he basically becomes a running back. That is why I think they targeted Duvernay. And some people say they drafted with James Prochet in the yes. later Yeah, from rounds. SMU. Prochet's he, another one of those guys. They, they're doubling so down. Fast. They're doing what, what, what Shanahan did when Shanahan drafted Debo Sam. Remember the next year he drafted Jalen Hurd, mm-hmm. who played running back at Tennessee and then played wide receiver at Baylor. So he's like, no, no, no. In case Debo gets hurt, I'm not going to change my entire offense. I've got two wing backs ready yep. to go. And that's the same thing Baltimore's doing because they are now, I think, going to double down. They're going to add this as a dimension of the offense. I'm telling you, it's going and all the, he's still going to have wide receiver screens because they know that's just an extended handoff. So they're, just, they're still going to have the quick pop for Lamar Jackson who goes, uh, and he's going to give it to DuVernay, and DuVernay is great as the, with the extended handoff, which is the wide receiver screen. And think about the RPO. They run more RPOs than anybody else. So his pop pass for the RPO, all right, and his read pass is going to be either to Mark Andrews most of the time or Devin DuVernay mm-hmm. on one other side, stretching the field. Yeah, ain't that funky? Yeah. And then, other than that, he's going to be the guy, part of the backfield motion. Those going to be his three, in my opinion, his three responsibilities as their wing back. It's going to be the wide receiver screen, the stretch the seams with that, with the RPO pass, and it's going to be a part of the backfield motion. And he's going to be Man, he's going to be successful early. He really is. Man, what, what round? What round did they take James Prochet? Was it like fifth round? Yeah. It's fifth or sixth. Yeah, it's like fifth or sixth. I remember that. Was, was, and like, him, I just know like, him. Said, he's another one of those guys. So much production he got his last two years in college, yeah. and now you look at the skill. Like, just look at those skill guys for the Ravens. You got Oklahoma. You got Oklahoma. You got Texas. You got Oklahoma State, and then you got a kid from Lagrange and J.K. Dobbins and Prochet backing them up. Like it's all it is. Big <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 100%. Well, Big 12 football, and there are some teams now figuring out, and we knew this would happen, right? You had, for the first time in the history of the Big 12, two linebackers taken in the first round. First time in the history of the Big 12. You got a tech linebacker. Go tech linebacker, so go all the way. You can go all the way back to, you know, when we actually did play defense, and it was respected in the Big 12 in the late 2000s, and yet still we we didn't have two linebackers. I like how you brought that up, though, man. Yeah, So and and think about it. Like you said, one was from Oklahoma. And one was from Texas Tech. Tech, but those guys were, they're basically big safeties, right? I mean, yeah, there's bigger safeties, and they can run, and they, in this modern age of football, which is basically, like you said, Big 12 football, those guys are perfect linebackers. And Patrick Queen with the Ravens, God, the Ravens are <laughs> unbelievable. So <laughs> yeah, good. He's another one of those kind of those guys. It's yeah, and I, I said it out loud the second that he got drafted, but when I saw a Tech, I was like, finally, look at that. The NFL coming to the Big 12 for defenders no because doubt. now you finally, because we were talking about the last mm-hmm. five years that the skill set is going to translate on offense, and you saw that the NFL comes to the Big 12 to get their offensive players, and the only way to be able to respond to that, it takes time, but then is to come and get the guy's best fit to defend them, and that's where we may see that wave come back, and then now, instead of it being viewed as a detriment, these guys that were viewed as diminutive or couldn't do certain things, their niches are going to be so in demand because they are the only ones experienced with defending these type of players. So first time Tech had a linebacker drafted in the first round since senior sack in 1983. Okay. Defensive player, period. <laughs> defensive player, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, defensive player. Yeah, Gabe Rivera in yeah. 1983. Yeah. Senior sack, senior I like sack. that name. It's a great nickname. Uh, not, but, Rod, not just the Big 12, but where has a lot of the Big 12 offensive innovation started? Started in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, and not just not just offensive guys, but J.K. Dobbins, Justin Matabike, Devin Duvernay, Broderick Washington, James Prochet, five of the Ravens draft picks, all played high school football in Texas. That's pretty wild. Well, there were 33 players drafted for the state of Texas, so <laughs> more than any of the state. Oh, you had that stat. That stat was awesome with the cities. Oh, yeah, there were 13 players drafted from Houston, 12 from DFW, from the greater Houston area, from the DFW area. So 13 to 12, 25. That would be more than any other state had drafted in the NFL draft in 2020, it's except insane. for the state of Texas, which had 33 total. Yeah. So Houston and Dia. So I, honestly, I'm starting to, and if, honestly, it's been that way for a while. Like, this is not a new thing. Not that no. they've dominated the NFL draft like this, but that Houston and DFW have been that way forever. We've always had that. I remember thing. us doing sports and, radio together, and we found the numbers, and it was only at certain years Miami or Los Angeles were the only be, metro yeah. areas that yeah. were comparable Atlanta, to Dallas. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, to it's Dallas like, and Houston. It's Miami, it's Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles. I think every now and then New Orleans and Atlanta pop up yeah. in I'll there somewhere. I'll pull up somewhere. a new study. I'll but see no, it, 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 from year to year, Houston is constantly in the top five, though, constantly. Yeah. Every now and then I think Dallas will even fade out. Dallas fades out just a bit. Houston, because Houston... With Hurricane Katrina, when 250,000 people from the state of Louisiana take refuge in Houston, which was already a football mecca, producing NFL players per capita at a top five rate for decades, when you have the city, you know, sorry, the state of Louisiana, which per capita is always top five, too, and, and producing Louisiana, NFL players South Carolina, yeah. Always. And then you basically have merged those two football cultures right there in Houston, I know it sounds crazy, and Tom Herman's done a good job of recruiting Houston, but you almost got to double down on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, it's crazy to say it. You just need to start doubling down on Houston and Dallas, and I know the rest of Texas. There's a lot of talent out there, but East Texas had four players drafted <laughs> on the way to Louisiana. Yeah. So my point, we, we got one player on our roster from Louisiana at Texas. One. Dude, in, Louisiana is producing. If you go look at Louisiana had 12 players drafted. East Texas had four players drafted. Houston had 13 players drafted. They're just on your way to Louisiana. You can just hit that little corridor, and that's, that's just tons of NFL talent right there. So, I, honestly, I would challenge Tom Herman, you got to start getting a presence in Louisiana, man. Because Mac had more of a presence in Louisiana, I think, well, than Tom Herman does. Because you gotta, when, got to. When you, when you talk about recruiting in the state of Louisiana, you've you got to look at it from two different mindsets. There's North Louisiana, kind of Shreveport area, which, mm-hmm. which your East Texas, Tyler Longview, that's going to bleed into Northern yeah. Louisiana. And then you talk about recruiting Metro New Orleans and Baton Rouge, which is, that's a total, you've got to have, if you're going to recruit there, Rod, you've got to have somebody that's got ties to that area, which mm-hmm. is why Charlie hiring Brick Haley, Charlie wanted to get a foothold in Louisiana, hiring Brick Haley was really, really smart. And lo and behold, they got a guy who's got a chance to play in the NFL and Malcolm Roach out of, out of Baton mm-hmm. Rouge. Undrafted free agent for New Orleans, $95,000 guaranteed net contract. That's pretty damn good. Which, when you look at that, though, I didn't realize the Saints only had five picks in the draft Yeah, and didn't draft the defensive lineman. Not that they need one because you've got – they invested a first-round pick in Marcus Davenport. Mm-hmm. They signed Malcolm Brown as a free agent. Uh, you've still got Cameron Jordan on your roster. That's true. So it's not that they needed draft picks, but Malcolm Roach is going to have a chance. I mean, I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a real shot to make that roster. If not, make the roster, then be a practice squad project for yeah. somebody because he's so raw. You talk about someone who's so malleable. When you're, you're a defensive coach, you look at this guy, you say, oh, so you played linebacker? And also mm-hmm. play DN and D tackle. So you beefed up to, to almost 300 pounds for the combine and still ran a 4-8? I mean, I just got to figure out so many places. So I think New Orleans, which, you know, I think they're just a very progressive organization, a smart-minded organization, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think they'll take a chance on what they already have. But I think they'll actually try to put him on a practice squad if he can't make that roster. But, no, he's got a shot to make the roster, man. He's a good football player. And he's a coach's son. Like, he gets it. Yeah. You know he does. Yeah, and Zach Shackelford in Tampa, he said that, and I looked, the Bucks only out. I don't know the Tampa Bay Bucks offensive line roster, how many of their guards can play mm-hmm. center, but they've only got one center on their roster. Is that true? Yeah. Ooh, so he could be getting some, he could be giving snaps to the GOAT. One last break on the show, and we will wrap this thing up and put it in the oven when we come back and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard? Or take too much time? Then go to Babbel.com, download the app, and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. At Sprint, our priority is keeping our customers, employees, and communities safe. During these uncertain times, we want you to get the great service you expect without leaving the safety of your home. Sprint.com makes shopping easier by offering free next-day shipping and no activation fees on our best new phone deals, like a Samsung Galaxy phone. 
Lease it for just $0 a month when you switch. And when you shop on Sprint.com, you'll get a $100 prepaid MasterCard too. For now, Sprint.com is the best way to learn about our plans, buy new phones, and get the services you need. Stay healthy and go to Sprint.com or call 800-SPRINT-1 today. Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus, $0 per month after $35.42 per month credit. Apply within two bills. Requires 18-month lease. New line of service and approved credit. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Offer and coverage not available everywhere. $30 activation fee. Taxes and restrictions apply. $100 prepaid MasterCard. Requires port and online registration. Ships after 45 days. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC. Migraines can attack anytime, anywhere. Now there's a new kind of pill you can take anytime, anywhere to treat them. Introducing Ubrelvi or Ubrojapant. Ubrelvi can provide relief from migraine pain and debilitating symptoms without worrying where you are or if it's too late. People took Ubrelvi within four hours of a migraine attack. One dose can quickly stop a migraine in its tracks within two hours, and many had pain relief in just one hour. Ubrelvi treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for migraine prevention. It is available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrelvi with strong CYP3A4 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Few people had side effects. The most common were nausea, 2 to 4%, and tiredness, 2 to 3%. While normal routines have shifted, the need for migraine treatment remains the same. Contact your healthcare provider to see if Ubrelvi is right for you. Ubrelvi, the Anytime, anywhere, migraine medicine. Learn about support and resources at ubrelvy.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by Allergan. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit horns247.com. Then go to babble.com, download the app, and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to Babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. At Sprint, our priority is keeping our customers, employees, and communities safe. During these uncertain times, we want you to get the great service you expect without leaving the safety of your home. Sprint.com makes shopping easier by offering free next day shipping and no activation fees on our best new phone deals, like the amazing iPhone 11. Lease it for just $15 a month when you switch to Sprint. For now, shopping online at Sprint.com is the best way to learn about our plans, buy new phones, and get the services you need. Stay healthy and go to Sprint.com or call 800-SPRINT-1 today iPhone 11, 64 gigabyte, $15 per month after 1417 monthly credit applied within two bills. Requires new line of service, 18-month lease, and approved credit. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Offering coverage not available everywhere. $30 activation fee, taxes, and restrictions apply. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. each and every weekday on the triple option from 3 to 7. Shame is plugged. You can also get me and Craig Way on Light the Tower each and every weekday from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you get all of our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And search Horns 24-7 Podcast, no matter how you get your podcast. Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns.